You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show Podcast, all about front end web design development. I'm Dave. Rupert with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris. How are you? Fantastic. What's happening, man? Well, you know, I thought we would start the show off with a couple corrections. Is that sound? <laughs> well, actually, not corrections, addendums. Uh, because yeah, advice. Yeah. So we were talking, we'd like riffed last episode or whatever about like, wouldn't it be cool if you could like get style in or whatever, like a little feedback, like, Hey, I'm using the CSS property, but it's totally not supported or whatever. Uh, it was kind of riffing on a ideal tool. And a couple people wrote back, uh, Malig, and I'm probably pronouncing your name wrong. I apologize. Uh, was like, Hey, there's a, can I use extension in VS code that you can use? So that's cool. So like, so it'll tell you like, oh yeah, checkbox in all these browsers, like as you're like on the property. Oh, I see how it works. Oh, that's a lot of information though. That's a lot. Uh, You know, and so, and then there's another one, Ryan Clements wrote in and was like, there's a style lint extension for style lint, no unsupported browser. So like you can like fail a build or you can just warn, which I thought was kind of the cooler option. Like just warn if this isn't supported, like, Hey, yeah, that's kind of good. Right. But look at even the examples, like shows a big warning about Flexbox and how it's not supported by IE eight. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want that. That's going to annoy me the second I install it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and I think both of them kind of had that. Maybe I, I need to like verify Cause like one's like, uh, yeah, I would need to drive them a little bit more to like, be like, yes, this is the dream. You know? Um, the first thing that crossed my mind is that it should use the browsers list thing. You know, that thing that auto prefixer I think started, but other, other technologies use it where you say, these are the browsers that I'm trying to support. And mm-hmm. then it uses that. And it looks like this does that. It's just unfortunate that their screenshot shows Flexbox. But if you had like IE 10 or not, maybe even no IE, you know, support mm-hmm. that it wouldn't show you that error, you know, as yeah. I'm more interested in the, like the newer ones, like, I don't really care about, you know, that like iOS two didn't support linear gradient or something. Like, I don't, that I don't care, but I do care about like, like nuanced scroll snapping stuff or like new gotchas that mm-hmm. I'm like less aware of because they've just changed over time. Or even just like use, you can use appearance instead of WebKit appearance or something like that. You know, like I always forget the rules or like, uh, you know, what is it? uh, The Firefox dev tools do this. I think other dev tools have started doing this, but like where it'll tell you, like you actually don't need this. That would be cool too to have in your editor. Like yeah, the reverse can I use? Like you're yeah. you have this in your CSS, but you actually don't need it anymore. Yeah, uh, you put flex one. You don't need flex grow and flex shrink. You put flex one. So like, wouldn't that be cool? Like this property was oh, never executed. Or so. that one you told me the other day about the like you don't need WebKit overflow scrolling touch oh, anymore yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like totally. I was like really obsolete like a list of obsolete properties that would be kind of cool yeah hopefully there's not that many of them but when they're there it's good to know yeah it would be cool but i don't know i'm kind of anyway this was cool thanks everyone for sharing those i'm glad a i didn't have to go build it and b (laughs) it exists you know i can at least like see if like my idea was fun i don't know i I might try this uh style one Styling right. is a mixed bag in like how 
mad it gets about you because it's like no nested selectors <laughs> and you're just like dude i'm gonna probably have more than one selector at one point. Yeah, I mean, the point is it's configurable, though. It's mm-hmm. super configurable. I like Styleland. I use that. But, yeah. I, uh, but it, 90% of it is finding the config that you agree with, sort of, right? Like the, the Yeah, right. And so you probably start with, like, a you know, an opinionated set. And I think it has, like, opinionated sets by technology, too. So you can have an opinionated set for your SCSS if you want that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is useful to me. I had a bug yesterday, though, that that this is the kind of like just waste of time stuff that can be infuriating. I use Prettier too, and Prettier you hit save, and then StyleLint was saying, "Oh, you've like indented this." It was literally a linear gradient, like too far. Like I want two space indents, but you made it four space indents or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wow, who cares? Why are you yelling at me about this?" But then I would I fixed it and it's like style and it's like cool thanks you fixed it and then hit command s and prettier like puts it back to how it wants it and so you know your tools can fight each other in that way and that's like my least favorite thing about web development like oh y'all need to get along yeah I, you know I have I I spent I think two weeks on like I had some downtime between some projects and I like, spent two weeks getting it perfectly set up you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like really good. I was like, Hey, I did it. I have like, it's all functioning, all linting, all auto formatting, all doing that. But it's now, but then you jump to another tool, like create rack dap or, or a view project has Vitor. And all of a sudden your precious, precious darling doesn't work the same because Vitor has its own like little bossy pants, you know? Like, so Oh, well, but I do, I, I don't know. Nuxt has a lot of this stuff built in. I'm not, again, I'm a fan of Nuxt here, Dave Rupert, <laughs> Nuxt Evangelist. They don't pay me to say that. Uh, I probably owe them money for saying that. Uh, but it's like I, the out of the box, like correction and, and linting and stuff is actually pretty good, dang good there. So it, I like it. Cool. Um, and does it ship with Nuxt or do you add it on? Uh, yeah, it's all built in and then they kind of, um, I'm trying to think what it does. I don't, because you want to install some in, extensions into your editor too to make it all work lovely, right? Like you want the the Vitor extension, you want the uh, Stylint, ESLint, and stuff like that, and um, so you kind of need all those kind of running to get it to work out of the box. But it does a pretty good job. So. Yeah. Isn't it? We're in this, you know, like, what do you think about, like, what about your coworkers? Do you, let's say you got it all working right. Supposedly something like StyleLint really doesn't care about VS Code. It's just a command line tool, right? But really it does matter that it's a VS Code thing because it needs to show the errors in the edit, you know, like the experience of coding needs to be there. So are you comfortable with telling your coworkers, like, can you please use VS code, please? Cause this is part of the. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of mandated that. Um, I think like they, maybe some still used Atom or something like that, but I kind of got everyone on VS code. And then, uh, you know what I, I did an extensions.json cause you can have those dot VS code folders or whatever, uh, where you do like workspace files or settings and stuff like that. Um, 
I did one where I like made an extensions.json and you can recommend extensions. And so when they open up that project, they get a list of like, Hey, this project recommends extensions. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Let me, I'll share it. Tell you, tell you, I got a project right here. Let me open recent. I like that. That's neat. You know, so that yet even more reason why you should try to converge everybody on tools, you know, even though, is that fair? You know, like we have somebody at CodePen now who's on Linux for the first time. You know, Alex has played with it, but but this it's been like no problem, none. They run it, it's fine. But they are on VS Code. But I wonder if they, you know, if there was some other editor they liked, would that be fine? Or is it at some point going to cause problems? And like as management, you have to be like, could we please converge on a tool set, please? I mean, honestly, I think that's why you have those big, big Java IDEs, you know, like NetBrains and whatever. It's just like they they added enough scaffolding or, or convention to to auto-format your code, to find code, to cross-reference code, um, stuff like that. I, I think, like, I, I'm not saying, like, we're all VS Code for the rest of our life, but but I think it has a lot of, like, good hey team if we're gonna work as a team like here's the all the things you need you know i I think and that's probably kind of even back to like the the what you want to call it like like package.json lifestyle you know like we are in config based development you know right you everything has a config you know and i have recommended plugins you don't actually have to use the plugins it will all get probably like jacked up in like in in loading or whatever but like i have plugins for like uh eslint uh prettier git lens so like i'm just kind of advocate that's unnecessary but it's just kind of like hey if we want to really see who wrote this last line or whatever you know like git lens is awesome uh uh, sass indented i don't think maybe i put that there just to get my Coworkers to indent SAS correctly, uh, style lint, uh, Vitor, and uh, I put import costs just because I want to like organizationally uh, uh, have that performance sort of mindset, you know. Um, and then Prisma, which we're using, that's just the syntax uh, setup for the the um, like the database, whatever the ORM, I guess that right that prisma is so do you ever have trouble like you know okay okay so you're suggesting the things but do they all work for everybody or do you have i to think like- they all work for everybody i mean you know there's a chance you know I, i'm sure you've been there but like we're one program it's just not working like just is kind of my big like noise noisy boy yeah and just is like dude this does not work and and i'm like flipping out and it's like, well, dude, I had, I just opened the project. So it's probably not anything, you know, like nothing's changed, you know, like what's going on. So, you know, occasionally I'll have to like disable jest or something like that, which is less mm. than cool, but like, you know, like that's like an extension, you know, there occasionally people disable extensions and it won't enable, but hopefully your pre-commit hooks or whatever right. are kind of sneaking thing. in and catching it, you know? There's like three places these like rules are enforced. One of them is like, get it early in the process. Like I want the squiggles in my editor because I want to fix the squiggles when I write it wrong. Yeah. But if I miss the squiggles, the pre-commit hook should tell me about 
the squiggles so I can go fix them because I missed it. And then even if somehow my pre-commit hooks are broken, those then rerun again as continuous integration or whatever, and then those tell me about the squiggles. So there's so many layers of all this, and it doesn't strike me as, like, terribly fragile, but it does a little bit sometimes. For example, that's why I was bugging you about does it work for everybody, because it's like like my RuboCop locally has been broken for a while, which is a little, like, Ruby-based tell-me-if-my-code-is-wrong mm-hmm. thing. And it's mm-hmm. neat because it can also do auto-fixing and stuff. So it'll have opinions about white space, because there's some things in Ruby that are fairly white space necessary, you know? And and like one of them is just like you hit return in VS Code and it will indent the next line. Like any editor will do that, right? Mm-hmm. Not indent mm-hmm. it further, but stay at the indentation level. Mm-hmm. But then if I hit save, that that then that line, that white space line, actually isn't totally blank. It has two spaces in it. And for whatever reason, our little linter is real mad about that. I can't even merge a pull request if there's a blank line with spaces on it, you know? Oh, boy, yeah. So RuboCop normally on a machine would just fix it, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's considered mm-hmm. a fixable rule, but it just doesn't work on my machine. And I cannot figure it out. And it's been broken yeah. for like a month, you know? So, so that's one of those things where it's like, it's not just as easy as saying, everybody install RuboCop, you know, because it's like, it can break. Yeah. And that's it too, is occasionally, like I had this issue where ES Lint would be pissed off, you know? And and I'm like, well, fix it, dude. Like, that's, you know, you know, it's wrong. You can fix it. You know, I put something wrong. And then, and it's like, dude, I can't fix it. And then I select it all and I use the command shift P menu to say auto fix. And it's like, yeah, I can auto fix this. And so <laughs> I just, it's like, hey, are you confused? Because you just told me in the console very loudly that I, you could not auto fix it. And then Stylin is maybe this is my beef with Stylin is it's, it's very good at telling you what's wrong and what it's mad about, but it's not good at just auto fixing as good maybe as the other stuff. So, you know, there, there was a thing. It was just like, Oh man, you did not alphabetize your stuff. I expected this above this and this above this and that below this, you know? And it's like, yeah, I don't care. Fix it. You know, (laughs) but it just wasn't as good. Like it didn't auto fix as I had hoped, you know, but right. And that's those are the issues too, where I I feel like I find out in the pre-commit hook, like oh no, Stylin was actually very mad about this because I don't know. Sometimes you don't know if you're just are you just slightly mad or you like fail to build mad. That's what you don't know till or like fail to commit. Mad. Right. So yeah, or those they can be all a little bit different. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Jetpack from Automatic. It's a plugin for your WordPress site. I run it on all my WordPress sites. It has a bunch of features packed into it that are just do great things for your WordPress site. And a lot of them are optional. Like if you want the backup stuff, you can buy that a la carte. If you want the instant search stuff, you can buy that a la carte. I use both of those things because I find backups to be completely non-optional when running a website. Got to have those for safety. I think the instant search feature is amazing. It brings like really powerful cloud-hosted search to your site. So you get better search results, a better search experience, and it's just like all offloaded from your own server having to deal with it. It's a really great feature. Just 
just look at CSS tricks and search for something to experience what that's like. If I had to pick my absolute favorite feature, I think it's a very hard call. I think it's the CDN stuff. They call it Site Accelerator, and it works for some of your static WordPress files like CSS and JavaScript, but also images. And images are tricky to get right on websites. WordPress already does a lot right because it does the responsive images thing where it creates different sizes of them and sends them. That's built into WordPress core. But then optimizing them, hosting them on a CDN uh, is, is, is like another layer of goodness on top of images that you need to be doing. And Jetpack just automatically does it and serves them in the right format too. Yeah. Like a third thing, really kind of tricky stuff to pull off. And in Jetpack, you just flip a toggle on and it does all that stuff. So like, that's huge to me that I don't have to think that much about my image stuff because Jetpack and WordPress are doing so much for me. So thanks for the support Jetpack and automatic You know, one of my white whales with the this kind of stuff is this is this is pretty niche. I wouldn't say niche, but just like I don't know what people actually do is like import ordering. You know, some of my projects, and I'm sure your Nuxt projects are like this. A lot of files have a lot of imports in them. Like that's a big chunk of every single component that you open is all of its dependencies from your pattern library and from wherever, you know, there might be eight of them on any given file on average or something. That's what our projects look like. And there's no automatic, you know, prettier doesn't touch those things. They just sit Mm -hmm. there, you know, and it's like, should they be alphabetized? Should there be spaces in the different things? Should it distinguish between things that are clearly from NPM and things that are importing from your project and that kind of and so we've we've had endless talks about this even though it feels like a waste of time but it's kind of like there are like there's like a vs code plugin that does it but that's no good because if one of us has that installed then every file they touch is going to reorder a bunch of crap and make a bunch of commit noise you know like you need to like do it across your whole code base then put it as a pre-commit hook and then be done with it right like that stuff has to be part of the flow Otherwise, it's just noisy forever. And that's like unacceptable, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't, I actually don't care. So, the, like, the decree from me essentially is nobody touch import, put imports wherever you want at the top of your file. Nobody reorder anybody else's imports. Like, because the order actually just doesn't matter, you know? But it matters like aesthetically and maybe code understandability wise. But I don't want to see commit noise of people reordering imports because it's not done programmatically Mm. so you had to you have a social rule a process fix yeah where i mean do you think it's automatable is there is there a dream automation Uh, like almost close but no cigar you know like if prettier did it or whatever and we could all install that and because we use prettier anyway then good then we're done we'll run prettier across the code base one more time for those commit that as one big commit Everybody has Prettier installed anyway, so rock and roll. I don't know. I haven't looked in a minute if Prettier has a plug-in for it or something, maybe. But I don't. I kind of like running like stock Prettier, too. Like the things are like, oh, just add this plug-in to Prettier. I'm like, mm, maybe not, you know? I kind of <laughs> want to 
Yeah, no, uh, no. but there's other there, there's a VS Code plugin that does it, but it disagrees with the rules that run in CI. Yeah, I know. So I just I haven't. Mm. That's why I call it a white whale because I've tried like three times to get this going, and then I'm mm. like, why this is not improving anything for us? You know, it's just as easy to put one Slack message that says just leave imports alone, everybody. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, code review it, uh, auto correct, auto paste or whatever that stuff's called. Where you're just like, hey, uh, leave imports alone. So, is it is it a money problem? Like, have you thought about like commissioning a plugin or an extension or prettier? <laughs> like, uh, the problem is I don't like bespoke stuff that much. Right. I like it when we use tools that everybody else uses, you know, especially because there's so many touch points for a tool like this. So if you commission it, you could I could imagine commissioning like a VS Code plugin or something and somebody could really nail that. But like we said, that's not enough. It needs to be mm. a pre-commit hook too, and it needs to run in continuous integration too. There's mm. like three places it needs to run and that's a little like touchy to the point where it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I see what you mean. I do like that as a solution, like more than... I should probably think about that more often. Like what what could you what can you outsource here? What's just it's clearly work, but it's really well defined work that's easy to pay mm-hmm. somebody to do. That's valuable stuff. Cuz sometimes you have these problems, right? But like maybe it's just as easy as like filing an issue on VS Code the repo or what, you know, but then you're waiting months probably to get it picked up, but maybe somebody knows how to do it easy, you know. So yeah, maybe. You were asking about an integrations engineer the other day. Like, have we, you know how DevOps just like became a job at some point, even though it yeah. wasn't always? Like, and then other things did, like performance work kind of has become a job. And so is integrations engineer like a new job? Yeah, like that's what I was thinking, because it, it, Sarah Drasner has a post on Dev Advocacy, DX, right? And in that thing, she talks about integrations engineers. And she kind of her perspective is sort of this, uh, like make your thing work on my thing. She was working at Netlify at the time. So it's like, let's get Nuxt on Netlify. So the integration for Nuxt and Netlify, we're integrating Nuxt or next, sorry, into Netlify. Um, and, and I thought that was like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, sometimes there's these integrations like, I don't know, CodePen interfaces with what? PayPal, GitHub, Twitter. Like, I know you have like those OAuth things. Um, you have the payment things. You have, uh, I don't know, maybe you're hitting some other service like Speed Curve or something to monitor pages or, you know. Right. Run your apps. You have. Yeah, Axe or something. So, like, you have these, like, integrations you're trying to hook up to, whether they're internal or external, like hitting some third-party service. You're, uh, I'm integrating with, um, I'm trying to even think, like, of a good example, Airtable or Google Sheets, you know? Like, we're hitting these APIs to get this data to power this thing. I'm starting to wonder if it's sort of a specialized skill, right? Like, somebody who knows how to, one, get it, the data and two uh, knows how to like get it formatted into good shape for your data and then where to store it efficiently on your data and maybe mock up a view for, for that integration, whether it's like you hit a button to integrate that or you enter some keys or something on client side, or you do an OAuth loop or something like that. Somebody needs to know how to do that. So I kind of like, is this something, is this a job? Like, is it, 
like if I want to add integrations to my application that I'm working on, which yeah. I do, like, do I need to hire an integrate? Can I hire an integrations engineer? Like somebody who does this, like, Oh, you need Algolia. I do that. You know, like, it's like, awesome. I would love to hire you to do that. Cause I don't want to spend eight weeks learning the Algolia API and all this crap, you know, like I got other fish to fry. So, well, you know, who did I, I wish I could credit the people I talked to. I was at a comp, you know, conference back, you know, before those existed or whatever. And the, they gave a talk about contract based engineering and it was like kind of a cool idea. It was, and I'm sure this is like just like implied at some bigger companies or whatever, but it was kind of like, here's an endpoint for our data. Okay, here you go. It's in the, Jira ticket or whatever, Notion card. And here's what we expect back. Like this is, you know, from this integration, this is what, and it, and it could be search results. Like this is what we could use back from some kind of search thing. And then that's a contract, right? So you can hire mm -hmm. somebody and say, here's our data. Here's the data we want back. Accomplish this card for money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Was it, was it GRPC? Was that what it was? Uh, I can't remember. And that's like a contract based API thing, but yeah, it's like, here's, you define like a little schema of like, here's what I send. And you say, here's what I want. And then those contracts have to like agree. And then <laughs> it's weird, but it's cool. Um, it, yeah. Like somebody who knows how to do that. You know what I mean? That's like, seems like such a job, right? Yeah, it does. And if, if you were really good at it, I could see being very hireable for that. For example, you, you're, you've, yeah, you've done Algolia search before. Check. You've done um, single sign-on, you know, or whatever, that kind of like enterprise auth stuff. Dude, I, done. yes, I would hire, if somebody is like, hi, I know, <laughs> I know how to make your app work with Office 365, like Microsoft it's like, you're hired, <laughs> please. Like I'll, right. I'll, I'll bring you in at least to do that part. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, and maybe they could even tell you like, before I start, if your data could look like this, <laughs> you know, that would be better because otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, like it's mm -hmm. probably half the battle is getting your app ready for the integration, not the integration itself. Yeah. No, because if you like start a contract with somebody and they're like, well, we have to redo the user table, you're like, yikes, that's a problem. Yeah. Or they, or you like have no infrastructure for running cloud functions or something. And they're like, well, dude, get on board. That's the very easiest way to do these type of integrations. And, and I think I mentioned in the discord that like one of the interesting aspects of integrations, like speaking with third-party servers that are not your own, is that you can't be particularly optimistic about the response that you get from third parties always. Mm -hmm. So if one of those things is like, send an email, and for some reason it fails, your code can't just be like, oh, well, that email didn't send. Like, that's not <laughs> acceptable for apps, you know? It needs yeah. to be like, I'm going to retry that in 60 seconds. And if that doesn't work, it just needs, it can just never abort, probably. Mm -hmm. Like, there needs to be really stringent things on aborting. And a lot of times that's dealt with 
from a queuing server is like you put a bunch of tasks to do with third-party servers into the queue and the queue plucks them off and runs them. But that way, if there's a big problem, the queue just builds up. Not a big problem, but at least you don't lose the action. It's not like, oh, this user tried to save their data to box.com or whatever, and it just didn't work. Well, at least it's sitting in the queue. So when you fix the integration, it'll go through and get synced up, you know, that type of work is a little bit specialized. And no, be- it is like, cause that queue server, we had a thing the other day. It, we thought it was all working. And then guess what? Like we're getting a bunch of zeros back from the API. And it's like, cause like the queue, the queue messed up or something, or like the server ran out of memory or something like that, you know? And so like, man, like, you know, I need somebody who kind of, even that's the the meta level too, is like, if you know like what kind of machine you need for this operation too, like that's actually pretty huge in the cloud computing realm. Like, you know, if you know like, oh, you want to integrate with some spreadsheet, uh, you know, Airtable. Well, guess what? It's kind of a memory hog because it tries to send you a 10 megabyte table. So here's what you need, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, anyway, I just, I think there's like a market for this kind of role i i don't think it's defined yet it's like whatever all these new job title content strategist it's like a content strategist um kind of integration strategist or whatever yeah i like that it's how many big apps are totally islands and they do nothing with any third party it's like none right like usually at some point the scale of an app begins to grow because of how it works with other apps you know eventually it's like oh notion is good but It'll take them to the next level to have an API. Oh, guess what? Now they have an API. Or I wish this app worked with these other apps so people work on a Zapier integration to get them connected. And that is like the the keys to the kingdom. That's what gets them acquired or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's it. I think there, I think maybe historically there was a lot of not invented here syndrome. You know, you didn't get like you didn't get Microsoft big by like cobbling together stuff. You had to like make a piece of software, you know, you had to make that. But I think now since open source is such a big turn, you know, I think it's a lot about like that's revolutionized programming. And so now we're very comfortable borrowing stuff and integrating with stuff. And I think that, I think there's also maybe some wisdom in like, if you can, you know, if you're trying to move at quote unquote startup pace, it's actually maybe more beneficial to integrate, use Zapier than to build your own like queuing email, you know, whatever your, your, your own bridge service, you know, like, right. Right. So, but even just, and it'll get you trained right too. Cause even your Zapier integration is an integration. Like they have contracts too, you know, man, see, that's like, Maybe that's it. I don't know. Some cocky kid who's just like, I can probably do whatever you want with Zapier. (laughs) I would be like, okay, tell me, give me, tell me more. That would be amazing if they say they do custom (laughs) integrations, but really they just have a personal Zapier account and they just run everything through that. They just run, (laughs) run like a boss through that. I don't know. That'd be cool. So I'm, I'm probably, yeah, I probably, doing things wrong i probably just need to be a zapier developer <laughs> yeah maybe oh that would be so cool sometimes sometimes i 
I get a little dreamy over that. The the kind of like the, the people that just do WordPress only so that they are super experts in that or they just are web flow developers or mm. they, you know, they just do this one thing and they're great at it. And it be, it's just so obvious why you should hire them and under what circumstances. I, yeah, it's not in my blood, but that's very, uh, yeah. I kind of given up on the, maybe I'm a specialist at something. No, I'm just no, generalist just to a core. And- <laughs> Yeah. I'll suffer the consequences, but it's fine though. So, yeah, I mean, it's shit, you know, the podcast is the side product of that. <laughs> yeah. We have a smidge of a generalist podcast, I'd say. Oh, so, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we do. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Retool for Startups. So, Retool you know, retool.com, remarkably good tooling for building admin tools, internal tools and stuff. Retool for Startups is a special program that they're offering. So this is what they say. After working with thousands of startups, they've noticed that technical founders spend a ton of time building internal tools. Been there, uh, which means that less time on the core product. So we built Retool for Startups, a program that gives early stage founders free access to a lot of the software they need for building great internal tooling. The goal is to make it 10 times faster to build admin panels, CRUD apps, and dashboards that most early stage teams need. So they bundled together. It's a free year of access to Retool and then $160,000 of discounts for tools like AWS, MongoDB, Brax Segment, you know, really popular tooling uh, for building Uh, any kind of web software, really. So use your retool credits to build tools that join product and billing data together into a single customer view, tools that convert manual workflows into fully featured apps for your team, tools that help non-technical teammates read and write to the database, and so much more. So it's retool.com slash startups. That'll get you to the form to apply for this. So there's, you know, some... Uh, uh, criteria for it like you're less than five years old and things like that not you as a person the company you have to be over five years old as a person i'm pretty sure so check out the site apply join webinars all that stuff retool.com slash startups um the discord was popping the other day with um new chrome api uh, eyedropper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did I, not see that coming. Uh, tell me about it. Cause I, I saw the release notes, but I didn't like really look into it, but it's kind of like a system level eyedropper. Is that, am I describing that correctly? I don't know if it's system level. Is it really? No. Cause no? it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't look like the eyedropper that Mac OS offers. Oh, okay. Okay. But it uh, does. Maybe it is, though, because I don't know, like I use Figma and they have an eyedropper, right? But you can only you can only eyedropper from inside the Figma window. But this eyedropper, I can I can go wherever on the screen and get the color from it. And so doesn't that mean it has to be I.O.? Like yeah. OS level? Yeah. Well, was it Scott Gell <laughs> made it? He was like, I made a new app or whatever. It's just the input type equals color. And then it, yeah, and I keep meaning to blog it. that. It's so great. It's yeah. just it's a data URL. <laughs> yeah, I could probably read it to you, but it's just like data text HTML car set UTF eight HTML title color picker 
end title, input type equals color. And that's it. Close HTML. And that's it. And it's like an eyedropper and you can put it in your bookmarks bar and you get a color. Exactly. So anyway. Yeah, I love that. And he's like, what else can we do here? It's it's pretty genius, really. I mean, whatever. Then you just get an eyedropper. But then it's, where does it go? Did he integrate a clipboard API? Does it plop it on your clipboard too or no? Uh, no, it just goes to, it just goes to the input. So you'd have to read it and it's only an RGB, but you know, that's fine. Yeah. Well, a few more lines of code and it will work here. I wonder, so this eyedropper API, it's not part of input type equals color. It's just a whole thing. Oh, I don't think so. Is it window dot (laughs) eyedropper? Yeah. 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 Hmm. It looks like, and Andrew put together a little hook, use eyedropper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Obviously, writes React a lot. Um, and so, yeah, you go new eyedropper. It's just like a totally fresh, new, totally API. And then you call eyedropper.open, and it has and it returns a promise, I guess. And the promise has the color. But it looks like it returns a collection result, whatever that is, which has RGB, but it has whatever else, too. I'm sure you can get other formats out of it. That's cool. It's just kind of neat. And then, you know, because that system level then, Andrew took it a little bit further and was just like, I'll use Petite View and have a add color button that spins up an eyedropper. You pick a color and it starts adding color cards to a thing. He called it the color palette builder. It's got to be like the oh, fastest wow. color palette oh builder ever. And its output is like a chunk of CSS custom properties. You know, it's like, wow. Oh, my God. That's 42 beautiful. lines of code for a very beautiful color palette uh, need, builder machine. You need canary. That's the trick. That's the trick I was Yeah, cuz it's so. it's a 95 and yeah. chrome 95 is the Yeah. And I didn't just like it wasn't it just 93 that dropped canary is like pretty far ahead. I think 93 is in dev and canary is up to right now. I think dev will like enter uh what you call it pretty soon. Man. Chrome's always just smoking with these APIs. I, you know, probably the kind of thing that you wouldn't just drop in a production app and and have it be absolutely core functionality, but certainly progressive enhancement friendly. You know, just offer a little color palette button if it's available, or a little eyedropper icon that allows you to snag a color real quick. Yeah. No, I mean, like, well, and it's a progressive enhancement too. You know, so you can just say if. If this API exists, like you can just drop it in. I like that's cool. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, oh man, I'm just using it now. It's great. And this little demo Alex made is awesome. Yeah. Man, that's cool. Cause you can and it goes anywhere on the screen. I it's not just on the web page, it's anywhere. No, it's anywhere. Screen. I don't know how it gets that data, but it does. Beautiful. Look at that. Look at the web advancing. There you go. Like when it's active, it's really, you can do nothing but pick a color. There's no way out. I guess the escape key works. So that's yeah. the kind of good thing that, that's why it's nice to let the platform do this because it has little things like that. I think yes. they were already talking about the idea that you can't like click anything, for example, like gobbles up any event because the event is selecting the color. The color. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, intuitive. I mean, you know, cause like, yeah, if you broke, wrote this yourself, it would be kind of a nightmare. 
but it would be longer you know. than 42 lines of code for an entire color palette builder that's for sure and it would also but i think the 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 concern was security like if could you trigger this on somebody in such a way that it like then you can't click anywhere on the website cuz you know or whatever something like that there, yeah well isn't it like you know like um you kind of have like a it's probably like window.open where you have to click. It has to be like a, a human being has to click. You cannot simulate the click. You can't do any. It has to be a real click. Or like a system level like screenshot, you know, like a, like when you go into screenshot mode and you can't like interact with the page or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I went down a rabbit hole to like see if because it was sort of with that whole OnlyFans like um, like breakdown or whatever i guess that's been kind of resolved but i was just like like i just was like i had read (laughs) a huge problem for people is like who do that sort of business is like screenshots of their basically the the goods that they sell right and so um and i was just like is there a way to like detect going into screenshot mode like mouse focus or leave or something like that. And there's no way, unfortunately, I just, that would be interesting to have a web API to be like the person has like disengaged with the page or something like that. So then you could do like filter blur or something on the photos to protect those people uh, who are contributing their uh, (laughs) private images to the internet. So yeah. Anyway, I'm, politically speaking uh i i just it was just sort of a rabbit hole i went down just because I, I was like is it even possible to like protect images you know from being screenshot you know but then people would like protect tweets and then people would want to protect whatever blog posts from being screenshot and maybe that's not where we want the web to go you know so um yeah yeah, I never like stuff like that, you know, but it, I mean, there is stuff like if I like download a movie on iTunes or whatever, Apple TV yeah. and like I'm watching it on my computer, it like is smart enough to not let me screenshot it. I'm like, yeah, why? Weird? Yeah, it's weird. I There's so many like I just want to like a gif of like this one thing from 30 Rock I quote all the time. I can't do it. I can't record like two and a half seconds of 30 rock, you know? So how do people do it on freaking YouTube? You know, like everybody's got like, you're like the 10 best scenes and, you know, Lord of the Rings or whatever. And they have this amazing footage. They just jam into their videos. Yeah. Are they ripping Blu-rays or what? Like what, what are they doing? I don't know. Somebody's got it figured out, I guess. We have some, some time ahead of us. I think we're going to be, we're going to be like, this is not, this is early stage stuff, but we're Dave and I are playing with some video stuff and those will be dropping somewhat soonish. So get ready, fire yeah. up your YouTubes, but we'll <laughs> see how that goes. Yeah. There's not that much to talk about. It's just that it'll be like a little shorter and more focused version of this show. And we're not, we're definitely not saying, Oh, well, this is the new thing. We're just only doing this forever and ever. We're just, you know, dipping our toes. Gonna it's see pilot what, what you like. Pilot episodes. So Um, far, I give it an A+. It's been really fun. We're having fun. And that's the most important thing in Corona times is have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's good. Well, hey, I I mean, we just, that's the big news. We're dipping toes into a video. So it's it's fun because we're learning. I'm learning a lot because even you and I, we're like talking like thumbnails. Oh, my God. Like for like. 
what, like two hours yesterday, we were just like, here, look at this video <laughs> a lot of good creating analysis. thumbnails. Oh, no. What occurred to me is like, we should do a video about the thumbnails because that's kind of our plan is to be like, well, I don't, it doesn't have to be about border radius. We can have it be about anything that we're dealing with at the time. And certainly a little meta episode about thumbnails could be really fun. You did a lot of like, you know, kind of competitive analysis. And the the one thing that's just freaking true that I probably we didn't even need to look up, but we'll just say it is that you put your big old face on the thumbnails, you know, faces get clicks, unfortunately. And I mean, I don't know, we got I got a face for radio, but <laughs> what would I call myself the other fat Dave girl, fat Dave girl right now? And so I don't know, but, um, the, uh, I, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. It's weird to put your stuff out there, but there's all these, I don't know. I think that's sort of the trick is you get to have a face or a good action. Well, I've shot never there. done it. Yeah. But I, what I wanted is to be repeatable. Cause that's like the shop talk show secret is that we do things that aren't insanely time intensive, you know, mm-hmm. like they where I don't have time to spend all day editing a video. So it was finding technology that allows us to shoot the thing and stop and ship it, you know? So it's a very small commitment The you know, you could easily get into a, a position where creating the thumbnail for your video takes as long as it does to shoot the video. That's not going to work. So it no. needs to be maybe not programmatic, but at least a pretty simple template. And so that's what I have together right now. It just doesn't, yeah. it's not doing faces. And I kind of feel like we should at least attempt the face thing. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. It's, complica- it's complex. You know, it's, it's the, uh, now I have an idea for an app, but anyway, I'll talk to you about that later. <laughs> it's probably just a code pen because you could just kind of do it in a code pen, couldn't you? I mean, like a face detection API or whatever, like or like video with edges. Oh, my and God. Then you just, and then that's your top layer of the canvas. And then your back layers, whatever, you choose whatever. And then you have a text layer and then you have a a graphic layer that you can move around, right? Like, yeah, you know. dude. And you could be, you could like have a little text area where you change the text and then pick also be able to pick it up and drag it where you want it. Yeah. And little logos. And grab, oh my God. Don't make it as a code pen. Let's do this. $8 so a month. App? Yeah. yeah. $8 a month service. No one steal this. Uh, and, <laughs> and cut this out quick. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't care uh, that much, but yeah, it could be a code pen, but it also could be like, there's so much f- clear value in it that like, why give it away? If I can just walk up, if I can walk up to a website, say, take a picture of me making a dumb, goofy face. Yeah. And, and I have like my YouTube thumb, a you know? perfect YouTube thumb. Oh dude. Yes. That would be awesome. And also like, and then hit save, like save this basic template. Because I'm going to use it again tomorrow, probably. Yeah. I'm going to do this again a hundred times. So, yeah. This is a great, this is it. We're going to make $50 on this idea. This is tens of dollars. <laughs> Ten, tensioners. Uh, it's going to just be wonderful. Uh, Andreessen, if you want to just get get in on this, you know, yeah. just just go ahead. Uh, and Chrome, if you want to ship like a green screen API, that would be cool. So you can just, you can just say like video element, you know, green screen equals uh, the hex color of your green screen behind you. And it just auto clips what's behind it. That'd be nice. We got eyedropper. We got eyedropper, Chris. We got eyedropper. Oh yeah. So like, you just, oh, that's a great idea. Chroma key. We're done. We're done. We're done. Step one. You get the you get the thumbnail. Hold on, Chrome. Can can you actually do this on the web? I bet you can because you could ship it to a canvas, and then the canvas could look for that pixel and make it transparent, right? Oh yeah, I, I've done that. I know how to do that. 
Oh, wow. Friggin' dude. Yeah. Some good stuff. We're, anyway, we got to shut down the show now because we have some work yeah. to do. <laughs> shut down the show. And, uh, yeah, we, not to, uh, I, we're, we're heading into this JS party, uh, syntax versus shop talk show. Uh, I'm got the sweats. I'm ready to go though. I've been reading MDN all night, so we're good. Let's yeah. go. Let's do it. We're going to do it. So, all, all right. right. Well, thanks everyone for downloading this and your podcast choice. Don't steal our ideas, please. My kids are depending on it. Um, and <laughs> I have a mortgage. Uh, and so <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for tens of tweets a month. And uh, yeah, join us in the Discord, uh, patreon.com slash shop talk uh, for weekly fun. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Oh, that's all. Shop Talk Show.com. <laughs>